All right, guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Level. With me, as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. Dylan, back here to share our thoughts on the week one action to this point. Again, we're recording this on Monday morning. The Monday night game between the Bills and Jets has not yet been played, but uh, we have plenty to go off of so far here, Dylan, as we look at all the action from week one. As usual, right, we just nailed all of our picks. I mean... Just completely flawless, right? Like all of our betting locks, all of our picks, they were just very easy this week, right, Dylan? Yeah, as as always, it's, it's usually uh, what happens week one. Actually, I think my somehow my total picks are better than last year's week one, but that's mm. still not still not saying a ton. Uh, I think I barely edged you out here, but uh, didn't. Uh, there's some games that we both picked on that did not end up going at all how they went. There's other games that we called exactly like the Packers Bears game so yeah it's a uh, it's it's week one it's it's always going to be a little all over the place we're still gathering information on these teams and uh all in addition to that there's a lot of things that happen in week one that do not indicate at all what will have in, happen over the course of the regular season we've had plenty of years uh, the pre the pre Brady Bucks one year beat the Saints and the Saints were like a top Super Bowl contender no one saw that like there's so many Steelers beat the Bills one of their uh, I think 2021 in the opener Steelers and uh making much noise bills obviously nearly made the afc title game so i mean there's like there's so many things yeah we there's takeaways and things to learn but with a grain of salt so i, I wouldn't feel too bad about uh how some of those picks went uh this uh, first week <laughs> you you say that Dylan, but <laughs> we're gonna start with at the top okay and you can say you wouldn't feel bad but let me just tell you i'm gonna feel bad about this one because we had our two games of the week and just as a note the Bills and Jets were the other game of the week, so we're not going to discuss that one. But we had the Cowboys at the Giants as one of our games of the week, okay? And I gave you this big, elaborate—it wasn't that elaborate. It was just week one wackiness, right? That's the phrase we used. We said week one wackiness. We're going to draw this up to that. And so I decided that I thought the, the Giants would be the pick to beat the Cowboys in week one as part of my, you know, trio of week one wackiness picks. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. Because the Cowboys get a 40 to nothing win against the Giants. Happy as a Dallas Cowboys defensive fantasy owner. Not so happy as someone trying to make um, picks that make sense. But this was a game, Dylan, quite literally from the start. It was nothing but Cowboys. It never changed. Um, and I really don't even know how to respond to this one because <laughs> I think this is one that we brought up too, like, the history was in the Cowboys' favor in terms of winning as many games in the, in the recent past they have against the Giants. But we also brought up kind of the, the, the scores in terms of there are a lot of close games in that stretch where these two have played four-point games, three-point games, one-point games, those kind of things. This was the complete opposite of that, um, a complete no contest here, and the Cowboys just completely dominated the Giants. Yeah, it was, I mean, that first drive, I guess, for the Giants was maybe the one time we're like, all right, they're moving the ball, things are going all right. And as soon as the third down snap got rolled back by Daniel Jones, it just was all downhill the rest of the way. It was an absolute beatdown in every way. I mean, the at times the Cowboys offense in the first half wasn't, it wasn't like they did way too much. They had, I think, three drives, a couple field goals and the touchdowns. I mean, still solid in those conditions, but I mean, it was all about the other side of the ball. And the, the Cowboys' defense, we'll see how good they are over the course of the year. I, I you know, when, when I picked them to win the division over the Eagles, and it's still a long way to go, and I still think it's a 50-50 kind of play there. A lot of it had to do with the fact that I thought their defense would be really good and their offense would be solid enough. But, I mean, this was, I think, um, we saw this a bit last year with the Giants, and we'll, over the course of the year, we'll see how they do. But 
uh, there was a reason we I, I don't I didn't really uh, think of them as a a playoff team when I was making my playoff picks and it's just because they had a softer schedule last year when we saw them play against the Eagles and the playoffs uh, you, you saw and even in the regular season against these, uh, the Eagles and Cowboys a lot of things that got exposed a bit um, you know they beat the Vikings but another team similar to them that kind of played over expectation and yeah the conditions obviously played a role but their offensive line was getting destroyed whether it was the starters whether it was the backups um, I mean the whole game was just it was just I couldn't look away there was like a point in the second half where I asked my wife I was like do you, should we change a channel and she's like I don't can't even stop watching this it just it's like mesmerizing to see um to, to see a t- an NFL team just be handled that way it's something more so we might see in like college obviously um I think a stat that summed it up well Bill Barnwell tweeted out the the offensive EPA for the Giants was worse than the Broncos game from the COVID year when Kendall wow. Hinton was the starting quarterback for Denver, a uh, receiver. So, I mean, that that basically, that's all you really need to know about this game. That's how bad they played. I think some of the the, the PFF grades on the offensive linemen were, I mean, one of them was like one, which I don't even, I, I didn't even know that was like a possible score. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, there was just constant pressure. Daniel Jones, uh, it, they also kept him in, obviously, until the, basically the last drive of the game when Taylor came in. It was like, what is... Uh, it was all kind of just baffling to watch, um, and I, I'm sure thing, the Giants, I believe, they get the Cardinals next, so that's a nice little way to step down from that one and try to get back on your feet, but um, I, I think it's just overall more so as much as it's uh, something about what, you know the Giants, some of the young DBs they have, some of the off- offensive line issues we've talked about, that w- uh, we think they're still, even if we trust the coaching staff, I still believe that it's going to be a, a second tell this team is a, a contender. And um, it also says a lot, in my opinion, still about Dallas. They're not going to beat every team like this, but I, I think this defense is really good. I think Dan Quinn, the fact they've been able to keep him for a few years now and continue to, to get this defensive unit uh, ramped up and if they've added to it in, in some solid places, they look aggressive, fast. I mean, they're definitely, uh, you know, one game. But I, I feel at least pretty decent about the idea that them, the Niners, and the Eagles are still in my mind the three teams in the NFC that feel like the top contenders. And uh, they, they made a statement with this one. After, you know, last year they opened the season on Sunday night, played a really ugly game. Dak got hurt. They lost to Tampa Bay. Very different, uh, narrative, uh, you know, discussion here on Monday um, this season. They, they looked like one of the better teams in the league on, on the opening week. All right. You're going to notice a theme here because we're going to go to our betting locks. And uh, once again, uh, Blake zero, Dylan one, um, as we're going to continue this theme here. Mine was the Cardinals and the Commanders. The Commanders were seven-point favorites home against the Cardinals, Dylan. Commanders win at 20-16. to 16. was not the prettiest game. Um, but I, I think this is another one. We talk about kind of the theme of week one and what can happen. I just, I still don't expect much from the Cardinals. I think this is a team that's not going to be very good, and um, I don't really change my opinion on that, but I think you would have liked to see the Commanders play a little bit more of a clean game here. Um, and, you know, Sam Howell, not the best performance uh, in terms of probably what he wanted. He got sacked six times as well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what they – there were a couple lost fumbles. Howell lost one of them. Antonio Gibson lost that one. Um, but this was not, you know, this was not exactly probably the, the performance you wanted from the commanders to start the season in terms of maybe really sort of an emphatic statement here against what could be the league's bat worst team. Uh, but still, a win's a win. And that's at least something, I guess, as you move out of this week one uh, wackiness. So, 
Yeah, it was a game that for a while I thought Arizona was going to take care of business. Uh, defense made some big plays, obviously scored that touchdown early on. But over the course of the game, uh, I I don't know if I – we'll see what the commanders. They, they win the game. You feel good about that. But there's a chance these are just two teams that are not going to be really a threat this season. And maybe this is ultimately a good thing for Arizona and, and the pursuit of possibly getting the number one pick. So, um it, yeah, it was definitely one out of all the the games on on Red Zone, and that I rewatched some of the rewatches I did afterward. I, I cannot say this is one that I spent way too much time on because it was ugly for a lot of it. I, 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 there were some plays that Sam Howell looked fine. There's other plays where he looked like a late round pick. So we'll see how they how they move forward from here. Um, some a lot of things to clean up and. Yeah, but at least for Arizona to be competitive for this is kind of a theme on Sunday. A lot of teams that uh, either I or uh, just in general fans, media, everyone uh, kind of don't have many expectations for us and wrote off. A lot of you still see that the, it's still the NFL. These are still professionals, and uh, with, with the right motivation, with the right game plan, and uh, the right uh, time of the year, maybe in week one when a lot of teams are still settling in. Uh, a lot of close games, um, even with teams like the Cardinals that. Yeah, a lot of people have written off to be uh, one of the worst teams in the league. All right, Texans at the Ravens. Uh, that was your betting lock. We both picked the Ravens, obviously, to win this game. You went with this one, even as a double digit. So kind of defying the odds here early, Dylan. Remember, we always stay away from the double-digit locks. But uh, it worked out for you here. Ravens win 25-9 to over the Texans. Probably, you know, shouldn't be surprised that C.J. Stroud not being able to capture a win, which is just not something a lot of uh, these early kind of quarterback picks can do early in their career in week one, just because, you know, you kind of know you're going to a team that is rebuilding. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, as we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, same for Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson and such. But, um, you know, Stroud, 28 to 44, 242 yards, um, but just could not really muster up a lot uh, for this Texans team. Meanwhile, the biggest news for the Ravens coming out of it, of course, is J.K. Dobbins' injury out for the season, um, just brutal, uh, without question. And it seems like, you know, it's not just him, right, Dylan? It seems like the theme is back here for the Ravens. Like last year, all we talked about was injuries and just kind of, you know, consistently looking at the injury situation with the Ravens. Unfortunately, one game in, it looks like that is the biggest talking point for them now coming out of this win over the Texans. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, hopefully for the Ravens, the other guys will step up. They look fine in this game. We'll see over the course of the year. But, yeah, rough to – Dobbins dealed with so many injuries early in his career, so it really was rough to see him go down in this one. A game that overall, yeah, was kind of not the not the prettiest. I think there were 22 combined flags. It, it was just uh, kind of a messy week one. This one really felt like a week one game where, the, yeah, Houston, some good things at times on defense. They actually, actually outgained the Ravens slightly by uh, 268 yards to 265. Um, a game that just the explosive plays end up making a difference uh, for the Ravens. I thought Zay Flowers looked fantastic, uh, which was great to see as uh, someone that drafted him late to, and has him on their, their bench to see how he ends up performing over the course of the year in fantasy. But overall, for I mean, just kind of played out how I thought it might and hoped uh, for this betting lock in terms of I didn't think Houston's offense was going to be able to do a ton here early on against uh, Ravens defense. It's, even if it doesn't have – the same ferocity as past years, uh, still was able to get things done, still ultimately made Stroud for much of the game feel pretty uncomfortable. A lot, some of those yards were more in garbage time too, so it wasn't like the, the you know when the Ravens had their foot on the gas pedal. They were pretty dominant overall. 
and yeah, able to get to a, a number of sacks too. I mean, it was an interesting game. The, I think the Ravens' offense didn't look fantastic, and maybe you know, as much as I think they can be quite good, it's, it might take some time with Todd Munkin to you know settle in overall. But yeah, it was uh, kind of you know, if you're the if a Ravens fan, maybe you're not feeling like wow, we you know, just even though you won by double digits, it wasn't like the most dominant victory. I think you're still feeling pretty good about it, outside of obviously losing Dobbins and what that means uh, for a team that, yeah, as you mentioned, injuries have just been something uh, since they're uh, getting the one seed in 2019 that have kind of followed them over the last few years. All right, upset picks again. Dylan won me nothing. Although Dylan, we're gonna you're gonna be one and one for these, right? Because you also. Picked the Steelers uh, in the uh, game against the 49ers. That did not work out well. This was my upset of the week. Um, yeah, it didn't happen. 30-7 for this one. I, I tell you, Dylan, the teams I went in on as the underdogs uh, this week, boy, they really performed well, didn't they? Um, yeah, Niners went 30-7 over the Steelers. Another game that really, to me, never in doubt. Um, Niners came out early and. Brandon Ayuk season, Dylan. That is uh, what they're saying. Um, and uh, somebody in the family league like myself who has Brandon Ayuk is like their fourth best wide receiver. Eight receptions, 129 yards, two touchdowns for him in this game. Uh, Brock Purdy looked pretty good, I would say. Uh, 19 of 29, 220 yards. Christian McCaffrey did his thing as usual. Kenny Pickett throws a couple interceptions. Um, this is what we wanted to see from the Niners, right? We talked about the sloppy start last year, which, of course, the weather played into that. Uh, when they lost that game to the Bears, but Came out here, team on a mission, took care of business. I think that's what you want to see from a potential Super Bowl champion this year. Yeah, I mean, they, they had, until the Cowboys game, the probably the most dominant uh, performance. Definitely overthought some of these early season issues for the Niners in past seasons. You know, all the hype with the Steelers, uh, at least being a, a potential contender. I, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs, but... Um, yeah, this was a game where I think they got out coached pretty well. I think it also there's a, I was watching a Jeff Darlington piece uh, interviewing Mike McDaniel um, and just some of the quotes also McDaniel had after the game against Spurs and Staley, where he you know he has such a focus on players are you know it's he said it was, after the game against the Chargers it's insulting to to take credit over um, for a coaching win over someone when it's the players that make a difference and I thought of the Niners defense and all Robert Sala. D'Amico Ryans, doesn't matter who the coordinator is. It's probably going to be another great, uh, you know, new head coach at some point and can flourish in that role. And they do a great job developing coaches and it's not to take away from them, but it's just a reflection of this defense is still great. And I, the defensive line in particular is just absolutely devastating. Um, You know, when they do play the the Cowboys later this year to watch those two defensive lines face off is going to be something. Um, They are just just the whole game, Kenny Pickett was not comfortable. They they, fought, they did get that touchdown drive at the end of the, the first half, but, I mean, a lot of the game, there's just constant pressure, constant guys in his face. The Fred Warner, as we know, is just – I mean, he's one of – he's uh, – I don't know if it's an overstatement to say he's, uh, in my opinion, the best linebacker in the NFL now and, you know, one of the better guys of the last however many years. I mean, he just plays the position so perfectly for the modern NFL as a, a – and, you know, as a run defender, as a – able to identify passing concepts. I mean, he's just ridiculous. Um, it was ridiculous again in this one. Um, and then the other side, uh, for all the things, you know, I still have some concerns maybe against uh, some uh, teams overall with the offense line for the Niners. They look just fine. Uh, they, they punched the Steelers in the mouth. Uh, obviously, McCaffrey helps there, uh, able to take plays that some uh, running backs might gain 20, 30 yards and score touchdowns. Also, Brandon Ayuk out 
uh, blocking guys. Uh, had a fantastic game, not just because of the touchdowns uh, for Ayuk, but overall um, in every facet of the game. Ayuk looked like the, the best receiver on the field, and that's saying a lot when you're teammates with Debo Samuel. So, yeah, uh, Brock Purdy looked great. The arm looked fine. Uh, they just they looked like the the same team that we saw rolling until Brock Purdy's injury. And, they, you know, even if he doesn't get injured, who knows what happens against the Eagles. But um, have just as much confidence in thinking that they're going to be a, a possible Super Bowl team. I know you uh, have them going to the Super Bowl, right? So uh, I, I imagine you're feeling decent about that one. Uh, they're definitely up there with uh, the top teams in the NFC. And uh, it's going to even – it's still week one. I think Pittsburgh will – bounce back let's see what they do against a, a team that's not um as ferocious as the Niners uh defensive front but there's a lot of good defenses in the AFC so we'll might be in, uh, we'll see how Pittsburgh does the rest of the year but yeah um man the Niners uh, should not have should have just been like you know what this is the better team what am I doing here um and, and stuck with that pick but nope got too cute with this one yeah I feel a little better about the Niners my Super Bowl um participant I, I might feel even better if I had to pick them to win the Super Bowl um, as we'll talk about the other team in a second, but I don't, I'm not ready to panic on the Steelers either. Um, and so we'll see. I'm also, Dylan, not ready to panic on the Bengals, who uh, this was your upset pick. You went with the Browns here. Uh, and I think for me, as I kept looking at this game, as we got closer after we recorded, I said, mm, I think the Browns are probably the better choice. When you really looked at kind of the setup here, right? It was the whole, not just the weather, which again, it's always nice to have the weather on your side. If you're um, kind of the home team, you know, both teams have to play in the condition, but I think we just kind of saw the way this game was playing out. I don't know that we ever, and maybe I did, but I should have never expected the Bengals to come in with a very crisp performance here. And that didn't happen. You know, talking about Burrow just kind of coming back, 14-31 to 31 here, 82 yards. I mean, in all honesty, how many times have we seen that from Joe Burrow in the NFL? I can tell no, you, Dylan, zero. <laughs> Not a single time uh, have we ever seen that before. Uh, you know, quarterback rating is brutal, like just brutal numbers. Um, Jamar Chase, basically a non-factor Five receptions, 39 yards. Everybody else basically a non-factor on this Bengals offense. Um, and so the Browns went at 24-3. to A great win to start the season for the Browns. Like you said, a team that I think there's a lot of positive momentum towards making the playoffs. You talked about the DVOA numbers and um, Aaron Schatz's like, projections. What was the number? It was yeah. like 70% or something, uh, I think, in terms of the playoff projection or whatever for the Browns yeah. to make the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, like all those things. And – they came out and took care of business here. Not the prettiest game from week one, but you're the Browns. You will take a, a three-touchdown victory over your rival in week one. And, by the way, you'll also take a week one win, which, as we said, what was it up until last year? What was the streak? Some ridiculous streak in terms of how many games oh, they yeah. lost in week one. So. Since, like, 2004 or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was – a lot of circumstances led to the, the level of dominance of this performance. I don't think – it, you know, it's just that they have the, the Bengals number, which they have, but I think it's also, you know, Burrow not practicing a lot, the conditions of the game. I think Jim Shorts is probably one of the biggest reasons, though. They they blitz the heck out of Burrow more than you really see him blitz, and I think teams are scared to uh, under normal circumstances, but with his calf, maybe kind of took some chances here. They're like, we're not going to just let him shred us like he does against so many teams. We, we They did a great job of disguising coverages. They were disruptive up front. Burrow was, you know, missing throws. He was also, you know, some of the 50-50 balls we, we usually see guys make plays on, the Browns were able to break them up. So it was, you know, I, I think the Bengals will be okay. I, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of concern about, you know, what parts of this game can other teams replicate. I think other teams will certainly try to blitz more often now. Um, I, was, I think they 
in past seasons, it's something I think last year it was under 20% of snaps Burrow faced blitzes. This game was like almost 40%. So um, that's not going to usually, uh, you know, that adjustment to those things, maybe he would have been able to, you know, with a full off season of practicing and feeling, you know, fully healthy, maybe things would have gone differently, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was a sloppy game. Not the Browns, uh, even, you know, Deshaun was missing a lot of throws. I think the, the conditions did, uh, play a part, but he, he made enough big plays. Nick Chubb and that offensive line, you know, obviously they lose Jack Conklin, and that's going to be tough over the course of the season. But they they still just kept chugging. They they tired out a you know a solid Bengals defense that started out pretty well, but over the course of the game, just wore down a bit. And it wasn't like they were getting like the, you know some of the runs that we saw the the Chargers get, for example, really really explosive runs of the Niners. But they were just getting you know methodical six seven yards, and then there'd be you know the twenty some odd yard gains. Uh, I mean, it was uh, everything that I'm sure Brown is a beautiful day for a Browns fan with those conditions to, to <laughs> see what this team was able to put together. Um, yeah, I, w- I just pulled up 64.4% uh, postseason odds they had um, with Aaron Schott's uh, projections, but a 79% chance of having at least nine wins uh, based on their projections. So that kind of yeah puts them, we'll see over the course of the year. Again, they, they match up quite well. With um with the Bengals, but I think the defense is going to be much better. I think the way they use Miles Jack or Miles Jack Miles Garrett was something to behold. A lot of, way more snaps from inside the linebacker. There was the I know the viral highlight of him like crossing over between his legs while he's approaching the center before immediately causing pressure to help another uh, couple teammates get a sack on Burrow on the first drive of the game. I yeah he they were disruptive. I mean just overall seeing adding Zadarius Smith adding this defensive line just more help overall around Miles and what that could mean for that group and a and a secondary that you know has at times uh, we want you know a lot of high expectations a lot of high draft picks that haven't always played well. A lot of those guys played really well in this game and you, coaching does make a difference. I know players make a difference as I talked about with uh, the Niners, but. Uh, it's hard to look at this game and not think that Jim Schwartz uh, uh, coming into Cleveland is one of the bigger moves potentially in the AFC uh, outside of head coaching moves. Um, they just looked like a much better defense in those projections that Aaron Schatz and uh, the DVOA numbers have of them being a top 10 uh, DVOA defense. Uh, off to a really good start there. All right, to our quick picks uh, section here, which uh, we, we ran through a little quicker on these, well, I know it's a kind of far removed from last Thursday, so we won't spend a lot of time on the Chiefs Lions. A lot of has been talked about that one, of course, Dylan. But our Lions, uh, the new brand, perhaps of the the podcast here, uh, we've been aboard the Lions since last season, twenty one twenty win uh, in Arrowhead to start the year. Obviously, Travis Kelsey doesn't play. Thought the Lions looked pretty good, although not just as a fantasy owner of this guy, but I would love to see the Lions use Jameer Gibbs a little bit more. I think when you just yeah. saw the. This guy has got it, Dylan. I don't know what it is uh, in terms of you can fill in whatever the blank you want on that, but my goodness, when you see him run, and, and I think you just put it now in the, as a whole into this Lions offense uh, with what Jared Goff has at his disposal, whether it's you know Jameer Gibbs, not to discount Dave Montgomery, who had a, a solid enough game, 21 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, Monroe St. Brown continues to do his thing. Anyone thought that was going to be a one-year thing? Uh, played well in this one, and yeah, nothing but impressed by what the Lions did to get this win. Yeah, it was a game that uh, you know a lot of people made, um, and rightfully so, a lot of uh, comments about Kadarius Tony and the receivers for Kansas City. And if any one of yeah. three drops uh, isn't made, one on the, the least consequential led to a field goal instead of a potential touchdown, but the obviously the pick six 
and then that one late in the game that would have got them in field goal range. All those things are true, but the Lions still, uh, to, to your point, like they, they still prove, that, in my opinion, they belong, right? Like they looked like uh, they were not, even if they had lost that game, um, even with the guys that the Chiefs are missing, and it's not like a lot of teams aren't missing players already, and less things were made. I, I, don't, I, I generally think Mike Tirico is a solid announcer, but calling it an asterisk for the Lions win was a little yeah. uh, striking. Yeah. I didn't agree with that and didn't feel like that was fair, but um, yeah, I think Detroit had a lot to build on, and the thing is, they didn't play their best game, and they still won too, which is a sign of a good team. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like you you mentioned with Gibbs, uh, Dan Campbell talked about it. They, you know, wanted to ease them in. It sounds like they're going to use them more often. Um, but yeah, that offensive line um, and, and Amon Ra looked great as he has. Just starting to imagine what they're going to look like when they get Jameson Williams back, stretching the field. Uh, Jared Goff, uh, you know, at times. There's a lot made of that one play where the Monroe was streaking wide free and uh, some of the comparisons to uh, Matthew Stafford as they're always going to be compared to with that trade, obviously, and how it's uh, playing out of structures. It's not something that always happens with Jared, but he still made a fantastic third down conversion on the game winning touchdown drive on that same play. And overall, it looked just like he had last season. And, you know, I I think the Chiefs will be fine. I, I thought, you know, We'll see Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. I thought Juwan Taylor overall played pretty well. I know some things made about his stance and the early, uh, how far he's off the ball and the, the false start stuff. Same stuff that we saw Joey Bosa freaking out about in the Jaguars-Chargers playoff game last year. Um, but it's, uh, I, I thought overall he actually played pretty decently. So the Chiefs will be fine. Uh, the defense, I thought, even without Chris Jones, was pretty encouraging personally for Kansas City. Um, I, they had a pretty solid game against a, a you know, a Detroit team that finished in the top half, uh, in the top 10 of the league in DVOA on offense. So um, just two solid teams. Um, I, I, kind of funny, I know we're still going to talk about these other games, but I believe the NFC went 4-0 against the AFC in week one. So not exactly um, feeding into the idea that the AFC is a much superior conference. Of course, some of those games did include teams like the 49ers and the Eagles, but um here we have the Lions beating the defending Super Bowl champions. And the fact that we're not even like overly surprised by it just says so much about what Dan Campbell and what that overall and Brad Holmes and that whole organization has been able to do in the post-Matt Patricia era to, to make this team a, a relevant threat. And I still think there's one team that's going to be threatening them in that division. And we talked about that before the year. Um, but yeah, the, I thought the Lions it looked pretty good and they're going to have to uh, continue going, but I think the sky's the limit for them, at least relatively to their division and what this, you know, what has happened in the past. They looked like a team that belonged with a defending Super Bowl champion. That's great to see if you're a Detroit fan. Yeah, there's going to be one team for sure that will not be threatening them for the division as well, and we'll get to them uh, in a little bit. Uh, but perhaps another team that may not threaten them for the division because they don't get off to a good start here. We both picked the Vikings, and I said, man, I don't, I don't have a lot of high expectations for the Bucks. But in all honesty. Bucks didn't look bad. Uh, they get a 2017 win over the Vikings uh, in Minnesota, and we said, Dylan, going into it, the Vikings were kind of one of those teams that could be very polarizing just based on last season, you know, the record and how good they actually were. Not a great start here to to lose a home game to a Bucks team that, quite frankly, again, if you're going to be a playoff-type team, these are the kind of games you got to win. Did we chalk this up to the week one, you know, weird results that we just see sometimes? Justin Jefferson – I'll be honest with you. It's it felt like Justin Jefferson had a quiet game, and he has nine yeah. receptions for 150 <laughs> yards. And of course, most of that came in the first half. But yeah. um, I mean, Kirk Cousins, the turnovers, right? That's just what was it? He had two lost fumbles. He had the interception. Um, 
you know, running game really didn't do a whole lot here. Alexander Madison, 11 carries, 34 yards. Um, he did get the touchdown on the receiving one there. It was a short one. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think all the, the credit goes to the Bucks here. I mean, Baker Mayfield comes out, throws a couple touchdowns. Um, Mike Evans, you know, catches a touchdown, which not, I mean, tell me if you heard that before. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the turnovers. You can't afford to do that if you're Minnesota and cousins to have three turnovers himself here. That was the difference in this one. Yeah, absolutely. The, they're all at crucial moments. I mean, I think yeah. when ex, I haven't seen the exact win expectancy, what it should have been like uh, for both teams. I'm sure Minnesota was pretty uh, slanted in their favor that in a lot of instances of these performances that they would be the team that comes out on top. But it took a really long field goal. It took yeah, all those big pivotal uh, turnovers and, and Baker making some big plays to, to get it done. They get outgained by almost 150 yards. Um, but it didn't matter because they made the, the plays that mattered late. Um, didn't turn the ball over themselves. They ran the ball a lot. Didn't run the ball well against Minnesota, which isn't, I don't think, a thing that will be a constant theme all year. I think teams should feel like they're going to be able to run the ball okay against the Vikings. It's just a more reflection. Tampa hasn't, that's still been a, a work in progress for them. Didn't matter, though, by the end of it because the defense made the plays when they had to. Baker um, looks fine. I mean, he looks solid. He, he looked solid at the end of last season for the Rams at times, right? This is a guy that maybe expectations are obviously as a number one pick were going to be high, but now maybe we've kind of gotten a little too low. Just He's still a, a solid enough quarterback that can get you a win when the right pieces are around him. And it, also, it's not like this Tampa Bay team doesn't have a lot of really talented players uh, that didn't win a Super Bowl, or you know, that won a Super Bowl not all that not all that long ago. Yeah, to have a one-two punch of Godwin and Evans, I mean, it, it already opened some things up. And it's a Vikings team that, yeah, last year they these were the games that they won. They lot they beat a lot of bad or teams that not necessarily bad, but teams that didn't end up you know in the top half of the league. Um, they beat them in one-score games, really close games where they had to eke them out. And now. It, the fortunes we talked about it that it's unlikely they're going to go undefeated again in one score games and here sure enough in the first game of the year uh they fall so yeah J- justin jefferson was making big plays all over the place but in each case he couldn't quite escape for the to get all the way to the end zone and ultimately yeah that some of those stops end up making a difference some decisions that kirk like you mentioned will will want to have back but just a, a tough tough uh game to swallow for a vikings team that uh, i'm sure you know with a lot of the projections and uh, even prediction wise um, not a ton of people even despite their 13 win season picking them to win that division a lot of people picking the lines like we did a lot of people even picking the Packers potentially um, some with them but they wanted to make a statement and just could not do it against a Tampa team that again this is the theme of the day uh, teams that with really low expectations everyone looking at Arizona we'll talk about the Rams soon Tampa Bay is like some of the teams that are going to be in contention for the worst record in the league and they all showed up uh, and two of them won. So, yeah, the, good for Tampa to, to not, you know, they, they had a pretty raucous locker room after room. It was pretty cool to see all the guys that, you know, put everything into this and found a way to, to win a game in the NFL, which is a game that was a true coin toss. But, again, I, I think really was probably more – this is like the opposite of so many games last year. The Vikings won where they shouldn't have won. Um, this is one that they probably should have won that they ended up losing. Titans and Saints was not a pretty one. Um, no. 16-15. Is that a – how many times have we seen that before, Dylan? I guess. Oh we man, seen I don't know. Yeah. Not often. Not often. I wonder if that was a scorigami there. I, I don't think it was, but I uh, can't imagine we've seen a lot of 16-15 games in NFL. Luckily, they weren't all 
field goals um, of the Titans. Uh, I guess, well, <laughs> it kind of was when you think about it. But 16-15, uh, the final, as I said there, for that one. I mean, I don't know, Dylan. This was one that I think if you were going to try to find a way to be encouraged by the Titans, um, it felt like they had their opportunities here, right? I mean, and they just could not seemingly get there. And, you know, it's one where the Saints also probably look at this and feel like they should have played better. But also, I don't want to overreact too much, though, either way, because I think this is the kind of game we expect. And I don't think we thought this would be a high-scoring game in terms of maybe what these both these teams could do here. But um, on Tannehill, three interceptions, bogs down the Titans a bit here. Like I said, I was joking about the field goals. Nick Folk, who we know, um, you know, has, has been around here, but he goes 5-5. Five of five. And, yeah, this has got to be a disappointing one for Mike Vrabel and company because they didn't play well, and yet they still, you know, are a non-turnover away from maybe winning this game against the Saints team that also probably leaves a lot uh, out of this one. Some positives, but maybe some things they also feel like they need to fix here. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, like you said, just one of the least, uh, unless you love defensive football, which I wouldn't even say – as someone that does enjoy defensive football, that at all times this game was like super dominant play. It was just kind of sloppy week one um, things going on. I, you know, the Titans were able to, I thought, move the ball okay through the air, um, even if uh, Tannehill ends up with a completion percentage under 50, um, obviously through the three interceptions. But there were there were moments where I was like, all right, they're moving the ball, and then something bad would ultimately happen. Um, Saints were able to bottle up the, the run game pretty well um derrick henry had a couple moments i know spears ends up with a nine yard average on his carries but it wasn't like you're really afraid of him the whole game and the other side i mean the saints were not able to run the ball basically at all i felt pretty good about that alave pick hopefully i know we got a little dinged up there i haven't looked at the reports um feeling okay though about picking him in fantasy with that um, first game, Derek Hark kind of looked like the same quarterback we've gotten used to pretty good, but sometimes isn't going to make every single play out of structure that you need uh, to get it done. But um, they end up finding a way to win. Uh, just it's kind of the, you know, this was a game we, we talked about and thought it might be kind of ugly like this. Um, it was even uglier than probably I thought it would ultimately be. There was that really controversial um, play. I still thought it was a fumble um, that Derek Carr had on the empty hand play where they, they end up blowing it dead. The Titans would have returned it for a touchdown. They don't even end up ruling it back to Tennessee, saying that the uh, call stood after the Titans challenge. So, I mean, it's a 10-point swing in a one-point game. So, I, if I was a Titans fan, I'd be pretty – and I imagine there are Titans fans that are pretty mad about that call still. I, I still – you know, they said it even on the replay, right? Like, everyone watching it um, in the booth, all the former officials – I thought it was a fumble, and they they didn't call it. So tough break there. Um, thought the Titans would compete, and they did. But this is ultimately still kind of the same story of what we saw at the end of last season. And for the Saints, a, a big win for them. And a you know, like we said, this might end up being a two team race. Even if Tampa Bay has something to say about that in the NFC South, but um, who would have thought we got uh, AFC West with one team winning in Week One? Got the NFC South with three winners. It's a this is a the bustling top division in the league, Blake. Uh, they're coming. <laughs> yes, they are indeed. Uh, we'll see about that in the long term. <laughs> Short term, maybe, but long term, we'll see. All right. Panthers at the Falcons. Uh, another one I get wrong here. That's no surprise. You're in a theme uh, in week one. But uh, actually, no, wait. You picked oh, you the, got, the Panthers. You got I'm one. sorry. I got this, got this one right. This okay. Is the one, this is the one you got me on. That we That's right. I was thinking back. I almost picked the Panthers, I think, to win the division is kind of a wild choice, but I, I didn't 
do that after I think I picked the Saints and had the Falcons yep. making the playoffs with the Panthers out. But I was thinking back to that. But yes, I did pick the Falcons here. It shows you how much I was confident about that one. <laughs> um, but it was the Falcons that got the win over the Panthers here. Um, like I said, it's you know you look at the numbers, Dylan, and I'm looking at it from like a betting standpoint. And those things, it's hard to bet on rookie quarterbacks um, on the road in Game One. Uh, yep. It's just it never seems to work out well, and it didn't work out well here. For Bryce Young and company, 24-10, to 10, the Falcons win this game. Bryce Young threw a couple picks. If you're a fantasy owner and you were thinking there was going to be some kind of clarity with the Falcons' backfield, and this is going to be all about Bijan Robinson, well, congratulations. Uh, it's not because Tyler Algier had 15 carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns. Although Bijan, I thought, still looked good, Dylan. He had that one catch for a touchdown. was impressive. Six receptions, 27 yards. So if you're PPR, you're in good shape. But dynamic playmaker, we know that. Otherwise, I mean, Dylan, I thought this was kind of exactly what you want to see from the Falcons because I think you could – it felt like they were the better team. Uh, ultimately, they pulled away, get those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to prove it. But um, I I thought there was a lot of good to take away from this. Again, these divisional games early, they're going to be – they feel like they have <laughs> – minus the Cowboys and the Giants. They feel like they have a chance to be really close, um, you know, and just kind of – teams know each other pretty well in terms of tendencies and all that. we got a new coaching staff. Uh, with Frank Wright there and the Panthers. But I was impressed with the Falcons here, and I just think the Panthers are still a little ways away. And like I said, it felt like a hard spot for, for Bryce Young and company to start things off. Yeah, against uh, improved and another – this was – we'll see over the course of the year, but this is one of the teams that um, Aaron Schott's DVOA projections have being, I think, at the 10th – they have them by the end of it being the number 10 defense – um we'll see about that they i think jesse bates does help quite a bit uh, they they had i think once you know i don't think against the panthers offensive line that this is overly surprising but the falcons had at least grady jarrett and one more their defensive lineman were two of the top 10 guys in pass rush win rate over the course of this game uh, one of the espn stats there they they dominated up front there so we talked about they have a big they're just a big team like they have big lines these guys they're good obviously but they're just big dudes they've they have a, a philosophy um they played it to a t in this one they didn't gain that many yards it was a weird game they i think the panthers end up with seven more first downs 60 more yards but they turned the ball over three times the falcons only end up going two for ten on third down but it <laughs> doesn't end up uh mattering by the end of it because uh they played sound enough i think you're going to be okay with um with uh, Bijan Robinson over the course of the year. I think it's uh, similar to Gibbs. They're going to ease him in. I mean, the touchdown he scored where he basically was a three-on-one and he made everyone miss um, and made it look like it was nothing. I mean, it's just over the course of the year, I think this guy's going to – they're going to give him more opportunities. But it's a reminder that Algier is probably still going to be there and they're not going to want to overly, you know, take Bijan. Here's the NFL and get beat the heck up way too much if we don't need <laughs> you to because we, we still feel confident – and what Tyler can do. So, yeah, I, 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 but I think you'll get um, a higher uh, carry share over the course of the year. The, the Panthers' defense, I thought at times, was okay. I mean, their offense just put them into some bad situations uh, with the three turnovers. Um, they didn't give up, you know, Drake London, obviously a lot made of, like you're saying, like didn't end up with a reception. Kyle Pitts didn't do a ton. I mean, it wasn't like the passing game. They only end up with 115 passing yards for Ritter. Uh, just a really conservative kind of game plan, but this is who they are. I think they got to probably open things up a bit more when they play better teams if they want to win. But we saw them beat the. Um, it was you know some guys were injured and it was before Purdy was really. I think it might have still been uh, when Garoppolo was at QB for the Niners. They beat the Niners last year and 
um, at the time had some injuries on defense and they were able to take advantage, but it's a team that's physical. They're, they're going to match up physically with anyone. Uh, they just don't, we'll see if they have the explosive plays and we'll see if the defense against a better opponent, uh, how they end up. I, I still, I still, even if I pick the Falcons won the division, but I do not think I'd, you know, at least my brain's having a hard time wrapping around the idea of them being a top 10 defense, even if it is number 10 that they predicted uh, with the DVOA projections. But uh, pretty good first game. We'll see how they do against tougher teams. I, I think, though, it kind of it was a win that they um, kind of needed to. There was a lot of hype around the Falcons from these projections, from, you know, people like myself picking them to win the division. So it was a good, like, win to not be like, all right, it's the same old Falcons. They, they looked like a team that in an NFC that maybe is going to be more wide open, at least in the South uh, in particular, uh, they look like they'll be right in it and kind of played up to the philosophy and mentality that I, I figured they might, even though All I right. picked them to lose this game because I was wow. trying to be different, which is stupid. Listen, <laughs> your being different worked out much better for you in week one than me being different because the ones that I went different on were complete blowouts. At least this one was not to that extent. So. You have that going for you. Um, and you lead the picks after week one, so you, you also have that. But uh, the Jags and the Colts, we uh, did not get this one wrong, although for a time there, um, yeah. it was a little worrisome. But the Jags outscored the Colts 14 nothing there in the fourth quarter and uh, pull out the win. I'll be honest here, Dylan. I, Anthony Richardson looked much better than I thought he would. I thought he played well. Um, I know he had the interception and all that, but, I mean, this was not on him. Um, I didn't think the, the the fault was not to Anthony Richardson here in terms of how them losing this game. And so, uh, yeah, I I thought he did some things that give you a lot of optimism. Maybe for the Colts this season in terms of being better than expected, I don't think you're just going to all of a sudden throw them into the playoff mix or anything, but uh, at least he did some things there that could work in their favor. Meanwhile, for the Jags, um, like I said, these road divisional games, are, it's just hard. I mean, in week one, it's difficult. And I thought the Jags for a while there were struggling to kind of find their way. Ultimately, they do. Um, and welcome back, Calvin Ridley, who looked pretty good in this one. 11 targets, had eight receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown um, right off the bat. The, the big play. And, uh, yeah, I thought this was – I thought this actually, even if Jags fans maybe come out of this a little disappointed in terms of how they played at times, but – you think just the fact that they wind up winning this game, you know, 31, 21, 10 points here, game that they could have easily lost based on kind of the momentum swing in the Colts' favor, but give the Jags credit, they come back and get a victory here. And this game somewhat went along the lines of what I, I think is going to be a theme of the Jaguars' season. Their defense isn't perfect. I know there's some um, optimism about the the pass rush and what it could what it could look like. It's going to be tough when you face running quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson. Uh, if he can stay healthy feel pretty solid about his fantasy prospects um, after this one. Um, even if the even if he didn't look necessarily great as a passer, I think his QBR ends up under uh, 23.5, but still had some decent throws, still some things uh, I think out of the – and a lot of room for growth for all three of the top uh, four uh, picks that were uh, these rookie receiver or quarterbacks. Um, but I thought he made some decent plays, and you see the physicality and his ability to, to run by guys and – um, you see the fit there for him. Uh, obviously, he gets banged up at the end, so it's just uh, mitigating how many hits he takes. But I'd still think if I'm a, you know, maybe you're disappointed by the defense, but it's kind of what I thought's going to happen. I think you're, if you're the Jaguars, you're going to win a lot of games because of your offense. And man, I, I don't know how many quarterbacks look better than Trevor in Week One. There were some throws in this game. 
the touchdown to Zay Jones stands out, but there's some other throws just that weren't touchdowns for big conversions and plays in the more in the middle part of the field where they're, they're tight windows and he's moving and he's making them on the money. Like just, but the, I mean, the Zay Jones touchdown was one of the most, I think best plays of this, uh, of the, of week one in terms of perfect coverage, perfect throw, perfect catch. Like everything was perfect, um, to, to score that, uh, second touchdown of the game. Obviously they end up battling back some turnovers late help, uh, that they got that, that pick late, um, that, that makes a big difference for the Jags to build it to a two score lead. Um, but I think just overall for Trevor, he picked right up and looked even better than he did last year. And I think that's a dangerous thing. And this, uh, not just this division, but in the AFC, um, if the defense can, you know, get some, figure some things out, I thought they did okay. We'll see against, you know, it's not like anyone's predicting the Colts to have one of the better offenses in the league this year. So we'll see how they uh, perform against some better competition. But I thought they looked really explosive. Etienne looked really good. Calvin Ridley, as you mentioned, I mean, kind of not overly shocked. Everyone talked about how he was Trevor's guy in, in training camp, and it seemed like there was a lot of chemistry um these it's interesting these training cramp reports some of them you obviously don't end up panning out the way that they are are hyped up there but then there's guys we'll talk about puka naku with the the Rams soon but there's other guys like puka and guys like calvin that are everyone's like this guy is making plays constantly he's gonna he's he's stafford's favorite target he's lawrence's favorite target and then we see it in the first game and it plays out exactly that way i i think yeah he just adds another element to an already really strong passing attack i think christian kirk will have better performances in this one it's just more of a reflection of the number of weapons that they have and with doug peterson in this team yeah i think the sky's the limit for the jags even if uh, there's a lot of things they need to clean up uh it's, it's still week one again uh big thing is you get the dub even if it wasn't always pretty but i, I thought there were flashes of how good lawrence and this offense can be all right now is where I give you the, the floor here because uh, the Rams and the Seahawks, we both picked the Seahawks. I said I think the Rams are going to be better. Dylan, I'm trying to give you some encouragement heading into the season. Um, hey, this is all you needed to see right here. 30-13 to 13 win in Seattle to start the year. They outscore them 23 nothing in the second half. Um, I mean, what do you have to say here? Because I, I want to bring up a stat here. And for all the frustrated Cam Akers owners out there like myself in fantasy, um, he had 22 carries for 29 yards, which is not a stat line you see very often. Um, Kyron Williams, 15, 52, and 2 there. Um, but the biggest stat of all, and you brought it up a minute ago, Dylan, there are two players in the NFL with the most targets, and they, they're tied for the most targets in the league right now through one week. One of those is Tyreek Hill. You know, very, you know, we, we've known Tyreek Hill very well accomplished. You know, a lot of accolades throughout his career thus far. The other, Puka Nakua, is the other one at 15 targets in week one. And so, hey, there is optimism for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm officially jumping on board, Dylan. The Super Bowl train starts here, and we'll see if they get there. But, man, what a what a win for the Rams here to start things off. Yeah, not. Um, I'm not overly shocked by the the point total of 30. Um, I I'm I'm a little surprised, but I, I have more questions about the Seahawks defense overall. They did not generate any pass rush in this game. Seahawks Twitter very animated about the amount of pressures generated by Jalen Carter uh, for the Eagles, a guy obviously they they could have taken with their uh, first round pick and did not. Um, but it's more so more so the other side of the ball. I thought the Seahawks offense would be able to 
operate um, and score uh, pretty efficiently against this Rams defense. But all those young guys, there's a number of players I felt better about, but I did not anticipate, um, even if he looked pretty good at times last year, Michael Hoyt and Byron Young being pretty good off the edges. Obviously, the the Seahawks were already playing out without one of their tackles. They lose cross. So you're playing against backups. We'll see how they do uh, next week against Trent Williams on one side with the Niners. Um, but still, for the defense, uh, a secondary that a lot of people, I think PFF ranked them as the worst going into the season. It might have been um, ESPN. I forget exactly what the projections were. Uh, and and I don't completely um, well, didn't completely disagree with a lot of, even if you feel really good about Kobe Durant, as a nice piece of corner at it. You still uh, weren't sure about every other uh, piece of this defense and you still feel okay about Jordan Fuller, but it's still a really young group. Um, but they, they played hard the whole game and to give up 12 yards in the second half. I mean, that's the most striking thing for me um, as a Rams fan to see them do that. It's week one. I'm not, I very much really enjoyed the game. Obviously it was, it's, it was, it was a nice um, after the, number of years it felt a little bit like the first game of the uh sean McVay era in terms of you don't have any expectations there's some there's something that's freeing and fun about it when you're not always thinking like oh man if we lose this game like what is wrong with this team and it can be a little more torturous uh, to have a team with really high expectations whereas when you don't have them and they play way above them it is it is fun um but yeah on the offensive side the offensive line held up well again i think that's we'll see <laughs> it's a much bigger task against the niners yeah, the Eagles coming up, uh, I think, in week four or five, um, playing the Bengals in week three. So they got some tough games to come up. But the offensive line held up well. I think a big reason they did is because they committed to the run and ran well. Like you mentioned with Cam Akers, not a lot of negative plays that I think contributed to that 29-yard yeah. total. Um, they, they, a lot of the inside stuff that was working well was Kyron Williams. He, I, unfortunately, I, I think Cam's still going to be a big focal point of this offense, but Kyron Williams is a great blocker. He's a you know powerful guy for his size. He's he's made a difference uh, in a lot of ways. And you know outside of having his injury last year, it was already hyped up that he was going to potentially be one of the future backs as a rookie. So I'm not shocked that um, they were able to do that. They talked all se- off season. They needed to be a better interior running team. I thought Avila, the, the rookie guard, looked great. They, I think that commitment to actually being able to effectively run, even if it's not at times overly explosive. I think um, they weren't like, you know, had a few runs of plus 10 yards, but it wasn't like they were reeling off major burner gains, but it does enough to slow down the, uh, a pass rush. And uh, Stafford looked freaking good, man. He looked healthy. He was making that last uh, third down conversion to Nakua uh, down the sideline. I mean, ripped it with not a lot of space into a perfect window uh, hopefully Nakua stays healthy because man, he yeah I know he was struggle <laughs> at the end of the game every time you get a you'd be worried that he's hurt uh, pulling himself off the field because he just took so many hits in his first NFL game and I know he had a lot of uh, injury uh, problems in college so we'll see how that goes I I'd hope he stays healthy enough that by the time Cooper Cup potentially comes back and we'll see if that's really in Week Five I'm not sure if it will be with his lingering stuff but I want to see those two guys on the field together. Um, he played kind of in the in the Cooper role. He's a really smart receiver. I mean, he, he, as a like, I, you know, I read all the all the Rams beat writers and all their stuff in the training camp. So I and watched the preseason game. So I had high expectations for Puka, but it, it still was you know same way that when Cooper first came up, and you're like, all right, this is actually translating um, to what we, we thought it would. Uh, it was really fun to see. He, he's just a really smart guy in terms of quickly was able to get you know 
that they talked about this, like identifying coverages as a receiver. Sometimes guys take some a little more time. Um, and I think Tutu Atwell is a good example of a guy that did not quickly develop for the Rams and a lot of uh, myself uh, in their Super Bowl season being like, man, it really would have been nice to have Creed Humphrey right now, uh, one of the best centers in the league. Instead, we took a guy we barely use. And now, I mean, he's really, uh, they, again, another thing is a theme last offseason, theme even more so this offseason about how much he's committed to becoming a more developed receiver, taking not just his speed and things that he relied on in college, um, and being a more refined route runner, I think the way they used him, there's some really creative stuff. I think McVay had a, you know, a, kind of a comeback game after a pretty disappointing season, as he's talked about for himself. So I'm not, again, not overly shocked the Rams offense put up a solid point total. Um, more encouraged by the defense. I think if, if the offense can at least make the defense respect the run enough um, and keep Stafford healthy, there's a t- chance this offense is pretty good, and that might be good enough to compete for a playoff spot in this, uh, in this conference, as we've talked about. All right, Dylan, what did we learn from the Raiders and Broncos? I'm going to be honest. I don't think I learned a whole lot here. Um, Raiders get a 17-16 win. Uh, 16-15 earlier, 17-16 here. I just don't – I don't know. This is one of those games that I just come out of it. I'm like, I still don't know what to make of these two teams. Um, you know, the Broncos clearly, if you thought they were just going to turn everything around quickly with Sean Payton, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, meanwhile, good win for the Raiders on the road. Like we said, hard to get a divisional kind of win on the road early on. And although – Division dogs have done well from a betting standpoint, like we just talked about the Rams, but I don't know. I mean, Jimmy G, 20-26, 200 yards, a couple touchdowns. Jacoby Myers had a big game. Obviously, I took the huge hit there. It was very scary um, with that. But anything just completely stand out to you about the – I just didn't come out of this with a lot on either um, team, I guess. That the Broncos, even though they looked better and more like a real offense at times, that they're still not a team that has some question marks overall because i i'm not gonna be you know try to be too nice about this i don't think the raiders defense is going to be a top half of the league unit so to score 16 points when you're even with judy out um i think it's kind of disappointing for um what denver should expect from themselves over the course of the year obviously they, they lose this game because of a missed extra point essentially it was um i guess the raiders could have scored there at the end rather than just running out the clock but um yeah, it was – I don't know how much we learned about the Raiders. It's I, This is a week one game where I'm like, all right, let's take a sec right, uh, to your kind of point where you're saying, like, what did we learn? I think this is a game where we need to see a few more games out of both these teams. I think maybe the Broncos will be fine because there were flashes of, all right, things are working okay here. Um, and then other times where I'm like, it, it felt a little bit like same kind of stuff we, we got used to a year ago. And for the Raiders, they didn't run the ball particularly well. I'm not surprised because the Broncos have a, a really good defense. And I think if they do make a playoff run, they're going to be a big reason why. But uh, I think the Raiders still pretty competent. I thought Jimmy looked solid. I know he had that one pick, not ill-advised in, in the red zone to throw a ball into coverage like that. You see, often see balls like those get batted in the air and picked off. Um, they didn't run the ball great. But I, overall, you know, that's the only turnover of the game for either team. Um, I, I thought that Jimmy looked fine i i thought they he looked um uh, pretty impressed by his first game to be honest i think he ended up being like one of the top and this is with the grain of salt but one of the top five 
uh, EPA per dropback quarterbacks of week one. It's week one. Let's, let's keep going. But he, over historically over his career, uh, EPA has been kind to him. He's played in some good offenses. Um, I know that's something I talked about early on being like, he's, you know, he's played with the, under, under Tom Brady with the, with the Patriots. And then obviously in San Francisco for all these years. So let's see what he does here with the Raiders. Um, he looked good. And, uh, you know, Jacoby Myers, all those years, uh, hopefully he's okay as a concussion, I believe a really brutal hit there at the end of the game. But I, there were large portions of this game where I was like, all right, these receiving corps look pretty solid for the Raiders. Um, I thought, uh, you know, obviously they're going to miss Waller, but still Hooper made a big catch in this one. So, yeah, uh, maybe things for the Raiders aren't as dreary as I as I anticipated. But, well, let's, let's again, let's pump the brakes. Let's give this a few weeks and uh, see how both these teams do moving forward. Your first place, Las Vegas Raiders in yes. the AFC West <laughs> right now, uh, based on the Chiefs losing, uh, Raiders beating the Broncos, and this next team losing, uh, the Dolphins get a 36-34 win against the Chargers. If you wanted points, I mean, I don't think we're shocked that this game was all about points. Uh, and this one, um, yeah, another one, you get me on this one, Dylan. I picked the Chargers, you picked the Dolphins. But two goes for 466 and three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill is still Tyreek Hill, as we joked about earlier. 11 receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Just a monster game um, for Tyreek Hill, which you never get surprised by that anymore. Meanwhile, I mean, you know, on the other side, this, no, I, hate to, I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, this has been the theme of our podcast since we started. But it's like, it's another one where it just feels like if you're looking back, and which this probably wouldn't even be in the top ten for Chargers fans, but it's felt like another missed opportunity for the Chargers yeah. here, um, where you just have your chances and you just cannot close it out uh, to do that, and that's kind of what happens here. And um, feels like the Chargers sort of let one slip away as now they get ready to go on the road and play the Titans in week two. We we should have known to to make this one of the games of the week over the Cowboys yeah. Giants. That's on us. We'll you know we'll go back and and learn from this. But no, it was uh, definitely one of the if you like points at least if you're uh, a more traditional fan of defense, this was not the game for you because until the until that last drive where the Dolphins pass rush was able to pin their ears back and knew that the uh, Chargers weren't going to burn them running the ball. It was hard to to watch that uh, side for most of this game, but it, I think it's a reflection more so of the offenses. Well, I think both these defenses, obviously the Dolphins are going to be missing Jalen Ramsey for a while. Um, they I still think they have some solid players. I think the Chargers feel better about their team. I would like to see both these defenses against uh, league average offense, and then I'll have a conversation about them. I think this was way more about two ridiculous offenses. I think Kellen Moore did a lot of great things in this game there there's definitely some play calls he's going to want to go uh come back on some third and ones especially the one that almost led to the safety where they've been running the ball so well and then they go empty not even having the threat of a run there to make the dolphins respect that i didn't understand that one I, i know a lot of people pointed that one out but there's just other moments where man they were killing them inside and i think that was you know, well, maybe there's going to be concerns with the Chargers pass blocking if they're not running effectively. Because I think, again, on that last drive, you saw it finally when they pinned their ears back. Those Dolphins, Jalen Phillips, those guys were going right by um, the Chargers. But they run block-wise, I mean, this is something they did not have last year. We talked about uh, the loss of the Jags and how they needed to uh, – one of the big reasons they couldn't run any clock, they couldn't possess the ball, they couldn't take time off. And that all flipped. And I think Kellen Moore is a big reason why, obviously, Eckler – uh, is great and Josh Kelly looked looked like one of his best games of his career and watched a lot of them I know him well obviously he's a Bruin but they uh 
I still didn't get it done by the end of it because this is why I ultimately picked the Dolphins. And I am, you know, I, they're the one team I don't feel bad, obviously, about after week one about not picking the Steelers to make the playoffs. It's a crowded AFC. It's hard to put teams in. But the Dolphins are one that I, I know you put in that I didn't that I'm, I'm worried about um, because Mike McDaniel is a madman. I The reason I picked them to win this game, I was like, last year, that was the game that they lost where it really looked like, all right, this team is not a, not at the same, uh, you know, they've maybe things, some things have got figured out. He's going to have a whole offseason to attack them again. And even if he doesn't want to take credit for it after the game, I sorry, Mike, but I mean, we got to give him a lot of credit for this one. Uh, a lot of great play designs, uh, but obviously it, it is a reflection of the talent they have. Tyreek Hill was amazing. And I think for Tua, this was a big game in terms of last year, a lot of his big performances. We didn't always see the out-of-structure stuff. The one throw that stands out, I mean, there's a lot of great passes. Tua was on fire all game. Uh, just like some of the early season games, we saw him go off against the Bills when they uh, beat them early in the season at home last year. Uh, I think they beat the Ravens right in that crazy comeback early in the year. He had some fantastic performances, but the one throw on the last touchdown drive up the right sideline to Tyreek where he had to kind of step up in the pocket, and it's just a, a throw on the run that deep down the field that we, we've kind of – when the conversation about two is those are the throws that he can't make that, that Justin Herbert can make or Mahomes or Allen and these guys. And he made it, and <laughs> he put it right. And that wasn't a play where Tyreek was wide open like a lot of times. Where the Chargers really struggled to guard him, J.C. Jackson had a really rough game. A lot of teams are going to have a rough time trying to guard Jalen Waddle and and Tyreek and how they stretch the field. But man, that throw pumped me up. Obviously, the t- last touchdown they threw to Tyreek also a perfect dot. But those are the throws we're used to to uh, when he takes uh, a three step drop and makes uh, you know an intermediate shorter throw on the money. Those are the things we expect from him. He's really decisive and put those puts those balls in the right places at all times. Uh, but that throw up the sideline to Tyreek was like all right. This uh this might be one of the most fun offenses in the league and um, I'm just I, I think Mike McDaniel uh, I'm I'm all season gonna apologize if they end up crushing and make the playoffs <laughs> because he's a guy that I'm gonna ride with uh, I think that uh, just his mentality not just with the play calling but obviously how he motivates his players um, how he makes them feel uh, be the, become the best set versions of themselves uh, it, it was striking to watch that offense defense we'll see how it goes again I want to see them against uh, worse. Um, uh, competition on that side, uh, but potentially two of the most fun offenses in the league. Maybe the Chargers just again, it's the little things, uh, and they end up costing them. Uh, obviously, the, the PI at the end of the first half that was completely unnecessary um, that led to the field goal. I mean, just so many little things that could have gone the Chargers' way, and they still win this game. Um, so hopefully, they don't let this become a theme all year, and this isn't a omen of of more uh, more heartbreak for that fan base and that team. All right, Eagles 25, Patriots 20, Eagles barely get the cover here, 25-21. Uh, got off to a great start. This one looked like it was going to slip away earlier from the Patriots. Didn't wind up happening as this uh, winds up being a pretty good game here overall towards the end. Um, I guess same thing you're doing. I think we expect the Patriots to be pretty stingy this season. Just a matter of seeing what you get from the offense. Mac Jones <laughs> throws 54 times, uh, 316 yards, three touchdowns, interception here, but um, not much in the running game uh, for the Patriots. Meanwhile, you know, for the Eagles here, I mean, this is the kind of game I think you want to see them win, even though we knew coming in this was not going to be easy, uh, I think, for the Eagles, which was obviously crucial to getting off to that really good start. Uh, and they wound up holding on here, even though it's really all about the Patriots beyond that hot start for the Eagles. 
yeah, it, it was I ended up being a pretty good game by the end of it. It didn't start out obviously that way. Um, I thought the Patriots defensive line uh, played up to the hype of what they could be. Um, Jalen Hurts, obviously, like not one of his best games, but uh, find a way to win. There's some things I know Mac took a lot of um, after the game, put a lot of the blame on himself, some things he wanted back. But uh, I think, if anything, if I'm a Patriots fan, I, there's no, as David Andrews said after the game, there's no moral victories. But I'd feel pretty good about where this team can go. And if, if you know, we'll see what version of Mac makes them into a, a threat in the AFC. But I don't know. I, I thought the, the way they fought, I mean, given the way the game started and some of the th- bad things that happened to them, I thought they played a really good game. Um, Eagles will be happy they, they found a way to win. Um, I think that they're going to be okay. We've seen against some, um, you know, I th- they barely beat the Colts last year. Um, uh, there's had some games where uh, teams had pretty good game plans against them to, to slow down their rushing attack, and it happened, sure enough, in this one. Um, but I, I think overall they'll be okay. I think it's just a reflection. Week one, tough environment. Um and I think, yeah, I came I came out more encouraged um, by the Patriots than, uh, you know, a lot of teams that took losses in week one. They're one team that, you know, it's still a crowded AFC to, to try to make the playoffs. But uh, that defense, I think, is going to keep them in a lot of games this year. All right. We wrap up with the Packers and the Bears. Um, boy, Dylan, I've made one bet already for week two in the NFL. And that was me seeing the Bucks and Bears line started at like, I don't remember if it started at like one and a half, two, something like that in the favor of the Bucks. Give me the Bucks um, up to, I don't know how many points. Um, I got it two and a half, and there's a reason why. Because I just, I thought the Bears just looked awful. Um, okay. I mean, I don't know how else you say it. Packers look good. Now, they're, they're part of the reason that the Bears look bad. <laughs> but I just, I think the Bears are, not very good right now, and um, I hate it for Bears fans because there's a lot of hype coming into the season. Finally got a weapon in DJ Moore. Is this kind of the next, you know, evolution of Justin Fields? Passing was not there at all. Um, you know, made a couple big plays, but it really wasn't there for the most part, and Packers just came out and kind of did their thing in the second half, put up 28 points in the second half in this game. Um, so, yeah. This was uh, not a good performance from the Bears, but like we said, don't forget the Packers are still a team, Dylan. They don't have Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, don't forget. I, I feel, you talk about teams you don't feel like should have made the playoffs. I should have picked the Packers to make the playoffs because I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah, I, I did. I th- they were my, I think my last wild card. I had them as a seven seed. I will see how that all plays out, but I feel decent about it after this one. Um, I, I think it's. A good first start. It's going to be. It's still week one, but a great first start, in my opinion, for uh, Matt Lafleur in terms of proving that. Hey, yeah, I know I had Aaron Rodgers, but I still have a few things up my sleeve, and there are a lot of great plays in that game uh, where they had the Bears defense just looking left and right and thinking, "Oh, they're going to run this play." They had that last. Um, it was a screen pass to Aaron Jones where they they faked like the all, after all the runs they did, they faked like a rollout to the left side, went back to him on a screen. No one's there. Get a huge gain. I thought Jordan Love, a lot of um, a lot of the great uh, film guys on Twitter pointing out his ability to, you know, hold linebackers and with his not just with his eyes but with his body language, uh, basically doing things that we uh, that I'm sure Aaron has helped helped him learn over the course of the last three years in terms of how to manipulate defenses. Uh, we'll see uh, what the Bears end up being. I told you know when we talked about them, I mentioned I 
I was still kind of down on them overall in that win total. I forget if it was six and a half or seven and a half, whatever it was, just because I think their defense uh, has a ton of work still to do as a roster. They really tore it down completely, and it's it's going to take more than one offseason to rebuild that. Um, and you saw that in this game. That the, the Packers obviously they didn't run the ball insanely well, like on a per carry basis, but they did enough, set up a lot of big plays and yeah it's the other side that i'm maybe more concerned about justin fields did not look good i know some schematic things that people have pointed out wanting to to let him air it out a bit more there's also just plays that i you know we'll we'll see over the course of the year but he he had a rough uh start here in my opinion Uh, i know they end up with a few points by the end of it but it would just uh, and it's still with a better defense Maybe things go differently, but a um, couple turnovers for the Bears just looked like a team that wasn't on the same plane as the Packers. And for a, I know that Aaron's gone, but like you said, it's a team. Uh, it's a team sport, and the Packers still had a, a, a defense that I think can be pretty solid by the end of it. Um, I, I think they have a lot of good players on that side. We'll see if, uh, how high that, you know, where they ultimately end up as a DVOA defense by the end of the year. But I think they're going to be okay there, and they have they're they're. A, good team and I think Jordan Love even if he's not doesn't have to be great if he can just be solid that might be enough again in this NFC so yeah the the Packers clearly the superior team here we'll see I'm really intrigued by uh they have a fun week too I know you talked about Bears Bucks but uh maybe a game I'll be a little more inclined to to be locked into Packers Falcons two of our uh, hype teams here that we got yeah. so yeah uh should be should be a fun game next week but yeah Bears fans I feel for them because I know there's a lot of hype and I know you want to get move on from the Rodgers era just like you wanted to move on from the Favre era to an extent uh obviously had some good years in the 2000s with uh the Bears but yeah that it's still the Packers and it's still uh, even if it's not Aaron and even if the if guy's not yelling at your fans that he owns you he's maybe a little more polite right now um <laughs> it still looks like the Packers are a vastly superior team and a much bigger threat to the Lions um and the Vikings in this in this uh, division Yep, we'll see how much of this is uh, overreaction to one week and how much turns out to be the case uh, as we move forward. But there are our thoughts on the week one action in the NFL. Of course, still in lots more stuff over at Clutch Points. A lot of reaction to everything uh, thus far. So everybody know where they can find all that. Yeah, you can go to clutchpoints.com to the NFL section. Tons of fallout from these games. Tons of well, tomorrow we'll have our, by the time you're listening to this, will be up, uh, I guess, today for you listening, the, the waiver wire pickup. Uh, piece that we always love to do a lot of a lot of good stuff i'm sure puka will be at the top of a lot of people's <laughs> lists especially as long as um as as cooper's out so yeah we got that in the nfl section on the site there's also the fantasy section for all our fantasy content on the top of the website you can go to our app to the nfl section all the same stuff you can find in there you can follow all the games live in there with our streams a lot of uh, good things happening over at the website and the app so yeah it should be um, by the time you listen to this, you'll know what happens in Bills Jets. But that's our other game of the week. Really excited to um, – I think that one will have a little closer score than our other uh, game of the week that, that featured the Giants. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, if not, <laughs> you talk about meltdown. Jets fans are not going to be happy um, if it turns out to be that for them. But, yeah, check out everything at Clutch Points. Lots more fun stuff on the way. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use, search for Establish the Pass. And thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time here on the Establish the Pass podcast. 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 Podcast.